Yes, people, I am Savage Dan. I'm Paulie Malanagi. You are watching Mouthpiece, the official boxing podcast. We are two of the most knowledgeable, two of the most charismatic, biggest personality guys in boxing. And we are two of the coolest cats talking about the sport today. <laughs> Welcome back to Mouthpiece. I am Savage Dan. And today, before we start, I would like to give a special shout out to Chelsea Football Club who beat Liverpool. And by the time this episode comes out, we'll probably have beaten Everton as well into the top four we go. Right. <laughs> Straight into boxing. Um, we had a, a, a couple of fights this weekend. Clarissa Shields, again, another dominant win. Unanimous decision. Um, and it makes her the first undisputed boxer of male or female in two weight classes at the same time in the four-weight era. If, uh, that confused me. But basically, it makes her the best. Yeah. And one of the best ever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you've got to give you got to you've got to give her credit. Uh, I mean, clearly she's the best female fighter in the world. Um, she's shown uh, a lot of a lot of wrinkles to her game, and I think she continues to get better. And she's beaten she's beating them the some of the top contender female contenders in her weight classes rather easily, rather easily. And so um, um, that's you know they can't say enough good things about uh, what she's doing and how she's accomplishing it. It's not just what she's accomplishing it; it's how she's accomplishing it. Where does that rank her in in terms of female boxers all time? I I've said I think she's the best female boxer of all time. I think um, um, you know there was the whole comparison with Layla Ali and all that stuff back in Layla's prime. But I don't. I think you know Layla brought the Ali name, and Layla honestly brought a lot of. She did learn her craft, and she did learn it pretty well. But you know Clarissa has that amateur pedigree the amateur background she's won the olympics you know so she turned pro with a with a big big pedigree already and so it kind of gave her the springboard to continue what she she's doing now and and uh, to and to continue to even improve so i think there's just levels and layers to Clarissa that uh, I have not seen in other female fighters of the past so i i'd say she's probably the best female fighter that of that's that's uh to this and today in 2021, all of female boxing history, I, I think she's the best one. It seems like there's only one more fight to make. The most obvious one is the the one between her and Savannah Marshall. Um, she said, whenever or wherever Savannah Marshall wants to fight, I will f her up. You're gonna have to beat that, guys. But it's what she said. Yeah. Um, how do you see that fight going if it happens? Um, you know. I think both fighters are probably different from when they fought back in those days. You know, they were both amateurs. Um, I think a lot is made of amateur wins, and I, I don't think I don't think that nothing should be made of amateur wins. But I think also, you know, they've uh, they're they're things that um, come into the conversation and, and create talking points when two people meet again in the pros. Um, I don't know at what point both of them were when they fought each other as amateurs. You know, I'll say that, but I. I I would say that a lot of people, when that many years pass, they a lot of, a lot changes. People improve in different ways, and uh, people get better in different ways. You know, so I wouldn't, I I, I wouldn't I wouldn't put a lot of stock into that result aside from the selling point. Uh, Savannah's gonna have to do what she does if she wants to uh, be Clarissa again, uh, and of course Clarissa has a kind of a chip on her shoulder when she's because she's accomplishing so much as a pro, and she feels like this is like. The only unsettled, unfinished business remaining for her. Right, into the current news. Uh, Derek Chisora seems to be pestering 
uh, Joseph Parker whenever he can, giving him FaceTime calls. Um, we know that a fight has been agreed between the two. Um, have you ever experienced anything like this in terms of, you know, like just loads and back or back and forth between um, you and, and someone who you're going to fight? Uh, there's, there's been fun trash talking promotions in my career as well. But, um, not, uh, but today, you know what it is? You Today, because of technology, you have... Today, because of technology, you have more options. You have a lot of options. You know? So I can't say I wasn't really. By the time the FaceTime era uh, began, uh, I don't know that uh, I, I still had some time left in my career, but it still wasn't as big of a deal as it is now. You know, with social media and and the the, the FaceTime calls and all that stuff, I think those are really 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 a part of society today, and so they they can be used to weaponize promotions. Um, in for for uh for fighters and to be uh you know to get try to get an opponent's minds and whatnot i guess you can kind of play it like uh ali showing up to sonny liston's gym and, and yep. going crazy <laughs> i guess yep. i guess if, when you facetime somebody today uh and you start going crazy on the phone only difference is you know while the while the security had ali removed from the gym uh when it, when he needed it to listen here you can just hang up on the person i guess <laughs> yeah <laughs> Well, Derek said he'll just keep calling. It's one a.m. over in uh, over in uh, New Zealand. You've he gotta, said he'll just keep. You've got to put the the phone on silent. <laughs> I keep it on the charger because those constant calls will kill the battery too. Um, how do you see that fight planning out when it does happen? Uh, I think it's a it's a really good fight because I was thinking that Chisora was going to be prepared. Uh, um, uh, maybe to go and possibly uh, try to attack some kind of title fights, but there's no title fights to really attack at the moment, you know. So I think this is a great, great fight. It's a it's a perfect, uh, perfect recipe, you know. Chisora did a did a you know reasonably well in his loss to Usyk. Uh, you know, I think he over overperformed and, and overachieved in many people's uh, eyes uh, the way he would the the way they expected that fight to go. So despite him losing, he's uh, he's shown himself to remain at a formidable level. And Parker being an ex-champion, and uh, and being a guy who still competes at a, at a relatively high level, I think it's a nice clash of both styles, boxing styles, as well as two guys who are still at a pretty good level in their careers, and uh, you know coming together at a good time. I, 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 the fight really does excite me. The fight has a lot of positive, possible positive vibes to it. Another heavyweight return is Andy Ruiz Jr., who's going to be fighting Chris Ariola. On the 24th of April. I looked at his Instagram post and I haven't seen him in such good shape ever. I don't think. He looked incredible, no, Andy Ruiz. No. I know. I don't know. I, I, anytime we were used to seeing somebody have success as a fat guy, though, uh, the, while, while it is that rare, I don't know how to take it now that he's not a fat yeah. guy. You know, I don't, I don't know <laughs> if, there is going, if that's better or worse. You know, for life, in general, for life, not being a fat guy is probably healthier. It's probably good. But as far as the, a fighter, I, I got so used to seeing Rui successful as a fat guy that I kind of, I kind of have some questions in my mind now. You know, like can he maintain that that level, not being a fat guy? You know, we'll see. Obviously, there there was a point where he got too fat for the for the rematch with AJ, where he couldn't even he couldn't even really move to catch up to. And AJ, who in my eyes still had a lot of trepidation and fought that fight with trepidation, and he could have created a lot of doubt on AJ's mind had he been able to catch up to him. But he was so fat in the rematch that it actually didn't. It, he went too far the other way. So I don't know if he, him going too far one way and now him going too far the other way is uh, is the answer. But I'm curious to see if it is. I'm curious to see if it is. Like I said, for yeah, life, it's, it's different. Not, not being 
Not being obese for life is a good thing. We'll see if yeah, it's a good thing in the boxing right. for, but for, it's for different. as well. When, when you're fat and you're slow and you can't move, it's one thing. But when you're fat and you've got fast hands, and sorry, Andy, yeah. for calling you fat. I should be calling you something. If you're, if you're larger than life and you're... And you're <laughs> And you're and yeah. you've got fast hands and you're fit. yeah. Uh, that's what I'm saying. Uh, you know, he, there was a target weight. There was like a target larger than life fat weight for Andy when he was good. You know, uh, and when he was at that weight, even though he was fat, I mean, he was still good. He was performing. He was yeah. getting results. Then came him the AJ fight where he got too large. He came in too heavy. And obviously, there's a point where even a fat guy can't be too fat and then still have success. But my question is. And maybe we're just making a bigger deal of this than we should. We'll find out when he fights. But my question is, is losing all of that, is doing this weight training, doing all this, is it going to take away from the speed and uh, and some of the other other things that you were able to put into your fat style? Is that going to um, take away from you as a fighter? Is that going to take away yeah. qualities and not defects? That's my curiosity about this, and we'll find out. I mean, he's teamed up with um, the, the, the Canelo camp. Uh, mm-hmm. Garcia as well mm-hmm. seems they like they have a winning strategy yeah. over there so it, it, it looks like they're doing things that are going to be adding to his game as far as him fighting Chris Ariola, I've always seen him as a bit of a, a gatekeeper mm-hmm. um, if, you, if you beat him you're, you're, you're decent at least mm-hmm. um, with, the, with the least disrespect that I can possibly give him but I, I think Chris Ariola is, is good but if you are an elite fighter you beat him yeah, I think I think there was a point in Ariola's career where he may have been a little bit better than a gatekeeper would have probably been a legitimate contender. But I think at this point, for sure, he can be viewed as a as a gatekeeper type. But you have to keep in mind, um, there's a Derby feel to this mix. You know, there's two Mexican Americans, and uh, they, so there's a they're, they're from the same culture. Um, um, there's a Mexican American, uh, like Italian American in the U.S. Is, it has its own culture, and so when two guys come from the same culture, while there is respect there is also the rivalry that you want to be the best guy on the block. You know, you want to be the best guy in your neighborhood, you know? And so uh, this has world-class implications, but it's too, it's basically has a Derby feel to it, you know? And so because of that, um, I think the fight becomes better than just your average contender versus gatekeeper fight, in my opinion. Um, providing we see a, a good Andrew Ruiz, where do you rank him? Where do you where do we think he ranks? You know, for for a long time it almost seemed like there was the top three in the heavyweight division, and then after that there was kind of everyone else. Yeah, I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put him in the top three just off of a win. But I will say that Ruiz didn't just come out of nowhere either. I thought Ruiz was a solid top ten, top fifteen guy even before he beat AJ. You know, um, for a lot of people he came out of nowhere because they didn't know him, but he was already beating you know pretty decent gatekeeper types already. Before that, I mean, he beat Alexander Dimitrenko right before he beat AJ. You know, Dimitrenko is not exactly, you know, a, a gimme cupcake. You know, he might be a gatekeeper type, but he isn't exactly a gimme cupcake. And he beat Dimitrenko about six weeks before he beat AJ. So I always felt good about uh, Ruiz's standing in the heavyweight division um, as far as, you know, a solid guy. But to go top three, mm, I don't know right now. I don't know right now. I, I still think you're, you're looking on the outside of the top three. I guess it also depends on how good you look winning if you're able to beat Ariola and how good you look doing it. Uh, and that will go give us a better idea of where um, where he belongs or doesn't belong. Just for clarity, my top three at the time was obviously uh, Fury, AJ and Wilder. Now it's almost like there's a top two and everyone yeah. else. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Jake Paul seems to be absolutely everywhere right now. I don't know. It doesn't matter what I'm putting on. Yeah. He's everywhere. Yeah. Um, we are hearing that he's being praised highly um, and, and, and rated by aspiring partners and apparently he has some genuine and real boxing ability. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna be straight as I always am because I've not criticized Jake Paul till now because I feel like he deserves the money that he's getting because if you put on a show and you bring in, you put the butts in the seats and you get the sales and you deserve to make that money. That's just the way it works. So I don't think anybody should hate on that. So I, while I've defended him, at this point, I'm also going to you know, probably expose some other things too. The sparring partner's telling you how good he is. It's probably just for promotion. All right. It's probably just for them also, the sparring partners themselves. The sparring partners are world class fighters, world championship fighters. And they're looking to piggyback off some marketing if they can spar this guy who has tons of views and everything he does. So if you, if you, and they probably have a good relationship. You know, most of my sparring partners, you know, we always have good relationships. You try to kill each other and then sparring, but you always have a good relationship. So you end up becoming cool. And you know, when you become cool with somebody and he's got a little bit of a name, you know, you're not, you're not, you're gonna obviously overcompensate them in the media if if this situation uh, arises. And so for me, Jake Paul's probably decent. Listen, bro, the guy's been boxing two years. He he can't. It's it's beyond <laughs> recognition what 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 he probably really can do and what and what people think he can do. I understand him is everything. I mean, I understand that that today that's all people go with is the perception instead of the reality. So they've in reality made the perception turn into the reality at this point. But I don't know, bro. It's the guy's been boxing 2 years. I want I still haven't seen enough of him him fight a guy who knows how to fight enough to know if Jake Paul knows how to get from one side of the ring to the other side of the ring in 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 proper fashion. Like, if he knows how to yeah. walk uh, like a boxer from yeah. one side of the ring to the other. That's how bad his opposition has been thus far. So let's not go over the top where we don't even know if the bell rings and Jake's in the ring by himself. If Jake knows how to get from one side of the ring to the other side of the ring without crossing his feet, without, without, by keeping proper balance, without being front foot heavy, without all this. We don't even know that yet. That's how bad the opposition has been. So let's not overplay this either because the you're getting compliments from this kind of level fighter, but then you're fighting a guy who's not even good enough to drive my Uber. You know what I'm saying? Not even good enough. Like if, if you call him an Uber driver, like a ta- we used to call him in the old days, taxi cab drivers, you're fighting, you know, the taxi cab driver might get offended like because he's probably better than the old opponents too, you know? So so I don't think you can, I don't think you can, you can put too much stock into fighters saying, oh, this guy is, is, uh, is unbelievable. This guy's unbelievable. You know, listen, I, I think Jake's got a, a, a tremendous marketing team, very, very smart, uh, very smart in the way they've, they've pro- made his progression and really in the way they've marketed and overcompensated his accomplishments thus far. I think it's been brilliant. Um, even the way he is fighting a guy now who can be deemed as a fighter. You know, he's an he's a ex-UFC fighter and he, you know, was an All-American wrestler. But you have an All-American wrestler who has terrible, terrible striking skills. I mean, absolutely, absolutely no, ter- no striking skills at all. And you're taking away his one thing that he can do, which is the wrestling, by making him box. So I think it's been a brilliant, genius move. And also, he's got a little bit of notoriety. The problem with calling Ben Askren a fighter is you lose the term, you lose the privilege of being called a fighter for life when you get knocked out in less than three seconds in a fight. Ben Askren, I don't care what he's accomplished, is not a fighter. You cannot get knocked out in three seconds and ever call yourself a fighter again in your life. In your life, that's it. That is permanent, <laughs> mate. That is permanent because there's there's YouTube videos of you getting knocked out in two and a half. When you fit in an Instagram post, not an Instagram IG story, in an Instagram post, 
Forget about the story. And it, when your KO, when your fight fits in an Instagram story, I mean, in an Instagram post, and you came out on the losing side of it, my guy, that's it. Yes, you, that's it. It's all you're. You're. You're not a fighter anymore. That's it. You're not a fighter anymore. But brilliant marketing, brilliantly done moves by by Jake Paul and his team. Um, but again, if he wins this fight, I think it's going to be overcredited. I think I expect him to win this fight again. Askren at this point cannot be called a fighter anymore. You know. Yeah. So so I I think Paul wins the fight. But but. But are we know. buying? Are we buying the reality? or Are we buying the perception? Because now the perception and the reality is skewed here. And where does well, he go from there? Where, where right? does he go from there? Because at this point, you beat this guy, which you expect. Where does he go? You can't just fight a journey. Nobody knows so a journey. Here, here, here we go. We've got potentially another feud with Tommy Fury, Tyson Fury. <laughs> Fury. You really think he's gonna fight Fury? I, I, think I would love it. Think, I would. Love I think it. it's. I think it's just feuding. I think it's just feuding. I think it's. Just feuding. It, do, do you, do, there's I don't. Th- I don't think he's me. gonna take that chance. I mean, Tommy's I, a real fighter. There's something about and he's me not. And he's not past his prime. Jake Paul might be believing his own source here. Yes, he but may there, he, actually I have no doubt. Believe it, Savage. Let me tell you something. I have no doubt he's believing his own hype. I have no doubt. But, but he's got people around him that are gonna to settle down, son. You know, settle down. <laughs> you know, this is where we go. Because at the end of the day, the opposition that they get for him. I mean, it's genius. It really is. It's genius. I mean, it's like you've got people out there that believe Jake Paul can compete against world class guys, you know. So, so I, I think the the the, the team he's got around him is genius. Or they're brilliant. But I'm sure those same geniuses tell him when he gets comes out of pocket or when he's thinking he's more than he is. Listen, uh, listen, bro. Settle down. Settle down. Simmer down a little bit. Simmer down now, and. Uh, and uh, we're gonna get you this guy instead. We're gonna work it this way instead. So I well, I think the Fury thing is nice for promotion. Yeah. It's nice for getting the getting the getting things going. I don't I don't I don't know that he fights that guy. I don't I don't I don't I don't. See no, it. I don't think so. And if he does, I think it's uh, I, because he's, because stoppage. Fury's the Fury name is a big deal. But you're not fighting Tyson. But you got the Fury name there, right? Yeah. But, but you got a, still a young guy who's in his prime. You know, he's young. He's 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 still got that young energy. Mm-hmm. I think, I think Paul is gonna. I think Paul's gonna be looking to get guys he can market his name off of, or his people are gonna look to get guys they can market their name off of without being such a risk. And I think, I think any young fighter is a risk right now, you know. But you don't want to also get journeymen and people that are completely unknown too. So we'll see, we'll see. I think, I think, um, you know, I think they're gonna aim towards, you know, um, maybe more retired, more retired UFC fighters or MMA fighters who didn't have any much striking skills, and then maybe in time graduate to retired boxers. You know, we'll see. Right. On this day, or or shall I say during this week, March 8th, 1971, we had wow. the legendary fight of the century, Joe Frazier versus Muhammad Ali. Um, obviously, I don't think... Both of us were not born, so we didn't watch it. Did you... Um, <laughs> did you... Did you find yourself going back and watching old school fights as you were yeah. growing through yeah. the professional ranks? Yeah, yeah. I, I always had a, an interest and a passion for boxing and and, and uh, old school fights as well. Um, and especially Ali. I was always I always loved Ali um, growing up. And especially when I started boxing, I started to really be, really be able to appreciate Ali more as a fighter and not just as the... You know, as when I was a teenager and a kid, it's more like he's a character. You know, I used to like, uh, you know, seeing the old interviews and that. But now, as I became a boxer and I, I was able to, 
you know, appreciate his boxing with a different kind of viewpoint, with a different eye than I did before boxing, you know. So I always loved Ali and I always used to watch a lot of Ali stuff. Um, so the, the, the fight is obviously something embedded in, in any fighter's mind, uh, the fight being the March 8th, 1971, Frazier-Ali, Ali-Frazier 1 fight. Um, it's, uh, I think it's, it's a, it was a fight that both was an amazing thing for boxing, but at the same time, because of it, I think that's what caused the obsession over undefeated records and fighters starting to pad their records after because that promotion was such a major promotion and it was billed as champion versus champion O versus O and ever since then before if you look at boxing prior to that fight you have guys who are solid world-class fighters and the records didn't really matter you still got great fights and 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 a loss wouldn't kill your career but if you look at after that fight you started to see promoters and fans demand to try to re- re-represent these kind of fights, these O versus O, champion versus champion fights, and they obsess over them to the point where fighters are scared to lose that O because they're scared to ever lose the opportunity to be part of a show like that, you know? And uh, while before that fight, I think you constantly had great fights and the records didn't matter because when top fighters constantly fight each other, you know what happens? They beat each other. So O's obviously get lost out there. And so fans understood that, the media understood that, but the way it was promoted... And the way Ali Frazier one was promoted, obviously was done brilliantly, but and it was a brilliant fight which lived up to the hype. So people now try to re-represent this fight all over again. They're trying to rebuild it all over again. You try to, you know, you you you, you let they let fights simmer too much sometimes to the point where they're like like Mayweather Pacquiao simmered way too much, even though Pacquiao wasn't undefeated. I remember De La Hoya Trinidad. People were demanding it for a couple of years before they finally got it. Um, uh, Leonard and, and Hearns, though Leonard took the loss with Duran, you know, they were trying to build it up that way. As a matter of fact, I'll be honest with you, I'm going on a limb. I don't know that Leonard would have fought Hearns at that point had Leonard already not taken the L to Duran and, and yeah. it was him who it was it was and it was him who had some too much to gain by fighting Hearns. I think if it was O versus O, I think Leonard probably takes it a little slower, you know, like he did when he fought Hagler, you know, look waited made Hagler wait for it, you know. So I, I I think, and that's just my opinion, I think Hearns probably has to wait a little longer for that fight if, if Leonard doesn't have the L on his record from the Duran fight. But, uh, you know, luckily they did fight when they focused. It was an amazing fight. But nonetheless, uh, I don't want to over, over, over talk on the subject, but I think Ali Frazier won was an amazing fight. I think it's a fight that is in everyone's mind. But at the same time, uh, as in every, is in everyone's mind as, as, a, as a big moment in boxing, a milestone moment in boxing, a key point in boxing, and an amazing fight by two amazing competitors. But... Not all of that came out of it is positive for boxing because I think that started the obsession over the O era uh, and fighters starting to try to realize that they need to avoid certain tough clashes if they want to not put themselves at risk to never be part of a big promotion like that again. Would you, just following on from that, would you say that a fight up, I don't want to say the pressure comes off your shoulders when you do take your first loss, but there is so much kind of banking on it before you do lose your own that after it do you can't you kind of become almost a little bit fearless you fear you i wouldn't say that um to that degree I, yeah of course you you've got no choice if you're going to continue your boxing career you have to now just go for it but my my um my my experience told me this it wasn't so much the first l but then once you got the first l if you got the second l you're too far away removed from a, from an O to ever be considered that way again, you know, and that's, 
and that's uh and, and even after my second L, um, I accomplished a lot in my career. But I noticed that the way I was being written about, even the way I was being printed in magazines and whatnot, it it changed. Yeah. Um, and I, I understood that and I realized that. So, um, there is a certain certain unforgiving trait about that. You know, granted, you can be Manny Pacquiao and fight for 25 years and make people forget L's that you took 10 years ago, but most guys can't fight 25 years. It's not, it's not really, you know, natural, <laughs> so, so, dare I say, but, 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 but nonetheless, um, I, I think that by, 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 by the average standard, you, you end up having no choice but to have that pressure lifted off your back because if you want to continue to have a boxing career, and again, I'll give myself, the, I'll give myself as an example. That's the best example I can give. You can still go make a lot of money. You can still you know, set yourself up nicely. But the fact that you realize the chase for that top pound-for-pound pound spot or the chase for that top three pound-for-pound pound spot is gone simply because you took a couple of L's and no matter what you accomplish after this, you'll always be judged on those couple of L's, and so you'll never ever have a chance to be on that uh, on the top three pound for pound. I think because of that, you do lose a certain amount of passion at that point. But it doesn't mean you can't make money and can't make a living. Right, we've got a couple of fights coming up this weekend: uh, Cecilia Bracos and Jessica McCaskill. That's a big rematch because Cecilia yeah, McCaskill dominated, beat her, right? Yeah, yeah, and she's been dominating for so many years. You know, it's someone who, whenever I saw her fight, and I just expected the the W. I really did. Mm-hmm. Um, she was beaten. They've got a rematch. There's some bad blood. Mm-hmm. Um, predictions. Um, you know, I, I, it's interesting because it it almost felt like Brackets got too comfortable at a certain point. You know, like you, like as you said, you know, expecting the W. You know, um, I think it became. Uh, Almost second nature to just expect uh, Brackets to just get a W. Kind of like we expect Clarissa, really, you know. But um, I think maybe she got a little bit too comfortable. And uh, in McCaskill, you had somebody who was hungry, who had who had accomplished, who was a solid, solid contender, at, even regardless of before. the. the it's, not like, it's not like McCaskill came out of nowhere. McCaskill was always a, a, t- a top fighter. But I think she was, still had that hunger in her, too. You know, she had a hunger that Brackets maybe has has lost, you know, because having had so much. So I'm curious to see if the rematch, if Brackets can summon up the hunger of of, of past times, of, of the times when you're looking to still cement your legacy as opposed to already having your legacy. And so uh, we'll see. But because but I, 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 I think that mental attitude is the most important part of the thing going into this rematch because I think McCaskill still has that mentality. Um, I, don't, I'm, I question if Brackets has it. We'll see. Another rematch, uh, Estrada versus Chocolito. It's been a long time coming. Yeah. Um, both kind of on different trajectories now, you know. It, before the, the momentum was all with Chocolito, this time round, it, it may not be. Um, mm. the, the Estrada has beaten the man that has beaten Chocolito twice. Yeah. Um, so it's, this is a very interesting one. Again, does, does uh, Chocolito have anything left in the tank? Yeah, and, and, and also... He does he have any left in the tank? But more so, can he does he does he see the 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 pros the the positives of 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 getting this win again? It's the guy he's beaten, but now this guy's beaten the guys that that beat the guy that beat him. You know, so does he value it as important as he should, or is he looking at it like, okay, this is uh, a guy I've beaten, I know what I've got to do, or is he seeing it like, okay, this guy be- just beat the guy that that beat me a couple times? Uh, 
I need to really assess what I'm fighting here because it may not be the same Estrada that I, I, I beat before, you know? I don't know, you know, uh, because you, the, the mental edge, as I call it, the edge, is very important to have in going into these kind of fights. Without that edge, you, you leave yourself exposed to possible dangers. We're going to get a prediction? <laughs> You're going to put me on the spot. <laughs> That's what I came <laughs> All for. All right. All right. All right. You know what? I'm going to go. I'm gonna go with my guy Chocolatito, you know. I'm gonna go with my guy Chocolatito. Maybe it might not be his, it might not be his moment. It might he might be on the dog this time around, but but um, I'm gonna go with him. I'm gonna go with him. I would Ro love Roman it. Gonzalez. I would love it to be Roman Gonzalez, but I do think that momentum's a big thing in boxing. I feel like we're gonna see. Yeah. I don't want to say that uh, that that Chocolatito's on the slide, but I feel like we may we we may see it. Um, mm -hmm. No, uh, I, I, I I I see a lot of your points. I just. I've met Chocolatito a couple of times. I like yeah. the guy. So I'm I probably, like him as well. I'm probably going with my heart more than my head. but we'll I'm going to do both. I'm going to do both. I'm going to go with a... My heart wants Chocolatito to win because I love him. Mm -hmm. But my head says Estrada's gonna win, and that's and that's not to say Estrada. Maybe we like Estrada too if we meet him, but we never yeah. met him. So what do we yeah. do? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm also uh, probably controversially, or maybe not, but I'm also going for a Bracus win, okay. just for next week when I'm right. Hopefully, just so they can have just so they can have a rubber match and do, and yeah. do it three times. Exactly. <laughs> right. Anyway, that is all we have time for today. I hope you've enjoyed it. Um, Yes, yeah, stay locked to Boxer, stay locked to Mouthpiece. We'll be bringing you all the boxing news every week, every Tuesday. Yes, people, I am Savage Dan. I'm Paulie Malinaji. You are watching Mouthpiece, the official boxer podcast. We are two of the most knowledgeable, two of the most charismatic, biggest personality guys in boxing. And we are two of the coolest cats talking about the sport today. <laughs>